Hello, everybody. This is Noah and John, and we are from Urban Digs, and we are talking Manhattan. And Johnny, we got Jonathan Miller here today. Yes, we do. Master of the universe and, uh, himself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Self, self-proclaimed. Uh, Can I have you talk to my sons uh, just to confirm that? Because they don't feel the same way. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we feel that way, Jonathan. Okay. So, and I'm Fair sure enough. the world feels that way. Fair enough. Uh, but anyway, Jonathan Miller of Miller saying, well, thank you so much for coming. Um, appraisal King. I mean, listen, uh, it's crazy town right now. It's going on in the markets yeah. Um, yeah. on a liquidity level. It's just through the roof. But but let's just stay grounded for one second. And let's start this conversation off at a higher level um, of what's going on in the New York real estate market. Right. So that that's sort of like when the dentist is like drilling your cavity and your mouth is full of, you know, all kinds of equipment. And the dentist says, so what's new? Um, (laughs) So, uh, so what we, what we really have seen is uh, the phenomenon is that Manhattan is catching up to the rest of the world or the rest Mm -hmm. of the U S or the rest of the New York Metro area. Uh, We, uh, uh, you know, the the first quarter report we published, um, Doug Selman uh, came out last uh, uh, time flies two weeks ago, uh, that uh, for the first time, our, you know, the closing data actually showed parity with the year ago level, which I think was symbolic. Of course, the outer boroughs and everybody else have been doing that for a while. Uh, Manhattan was late to the party, but it is in the party now, I guess you could say. Um, and we're measuring, you know, we're seeing it in sales activity. Pricing is still in aggregate is behind, but we are seeing, you know, some upward definitely some upward price pressure in some of the you know the the price bands um and uh you know at the same time we're also looking at a rental market that also has seen a tremendous uh amount of uh new leasing activity which you know part of its musical chairs you know moving around to better getting better deals on apartments um but we're also seeing the rate of descent in price still significant year over year uh, down, you know, in the, you know, 14, 15, 16% range, depending on the segment, but that's down from 20 to 25%. So definitely improving. And we've seen month over month, uh, new leasing or uh, uh, net effective median rent, uh, not go negative for four months in a row, you know, journalists live and die by three data points, make a trend. So we could say four shows that we're sort of seeing, we're not proclaiming stabilization, but we're seeing things moving in that direction. Meaning that, you know, one of the things I'm sure you guys see the same, see it the same way is that, you know, when, when a market turns, oh, well, let's start back up and say, when a market is going in a certain direction at a steep rate, whether it's up or down, participants in the market say, well, the market's going to rise, you know, basically forever. It's just this the way it is. Or when prices fall, it it's going to fall forever. We're very linear in how we think about uh, housing price trends. And, uh, and, you know, I'm, you know, time and time again, we learn that that's absolutely not the case. And, and so, you know, so much is predicated on, in terms of the rental market on the sort of return of office workers. And mm-hmm. that's predicated on the distribution of the vaccine, which is going, you know, despite the Johnson and Johnson hookup the other day, uh, hiccup right. the other day, uh, 
you know, we're 4 million doses a day. I mean, it's who would have thought. Um, and so the sooner corporations start pulling employees back, the default was September, but we're starting to hear, you know, earlier summer, June, May, you know, uh, we're starting to hear that, but not in mass, but we are definitely seeing it, um, that that, that is an, another acceleration um, in demand because when the office workers come back, I think that's going to be of key benefit to the, the renters, the rental market. And it's also going to be a key benefit. It's going to pump a little oxygen into street level retail, which is part of the optics problem that Manhattan still has. Central yeah. business districts look like a dystopian hellscape. And the residential neighborhoods, they're not normal, but you know, people are running around, dining outside, wearing everybody's wearing a mask. Like it feels like night and day. Yeah, that, no, it's a great point. And you know, if I could just add on to this, you know, Noah and I did a piece about what the recovery is going to look like and sort of a checklist for it. And you know, we had, you know, sales, rentals, you know, it, we've got the liquidity back, the prices we're working on. Same thing for the rental side. We've got that liquidity coming back. We've got those leases signed. We're still waiting on some of those those prices to start, you know, coming back. And right. I, I think you're right, Jonathan, that we're sort of waiting for the vaccine uh, and office markets to open up. But, you know, and that's kind of where I'm going with this is that one big sort of elephant in the room is, you know, what's happening in that commercial office sector, sector and what's happening, you know, especially with the ground floor retail. Um, right. And I'm curious if you have any insight into either of those sec sectors and sort of how they play on, you know, also with schools opening and how that necessarily plays on, you know, real estate in and around those areas like Midtown, uh, financial right. district, et cetera. Well, they're all variables. Like just imagine we're in a circus spinning a lot of plates in the air. You know, that's the way this is. So, so there's so many variables. We don't really know what human behavior is going to do in terms of how quickly uh, people adjust. I mean, the bottom line is that people don't feel safe, but they're feeling safer every day. You know, if I could sort of you know, assume that based on yeah. interactions and observations. Uh, and it's a gradual process in 2021 is this gradual process. What that's going to end up doing is you're going to have, you know, the way to think of the commercial office space world is, you know, so many of the big buildings are 80 to 90% empty still. And uh, so we talk about, uh, you know, we're going to be this remote working society um, well, pre-pandemic, uh, the 100% um, remote workers were like 5% of the employee uh, corporate, you know, world. And uh, so it, if it doubles or triples, you know, that's 10% or 15%. Um, I think the bigger tranche in sort of the office worker profile is going to be you're going to have this huge increase. It's probably well over half the market of hybrid, uh, people like myself, where, um, you know, for the last 12 years or 13 years or so, I've been, I always work at home on Fridays. And so I'm a four day, you know, three to four day a work person. Um, I'm probably going to be a two to three day. Uh, so people that were five are going to be four, three or two, you know, th there's going to be so the, the square footage needs for, you know, the, the footprint of mm -hmm. most uh, companies is going to dilute, um, you know, over time, but it's, but people I think are mistaken if they think that, 
where we are right now. And I probably said this last time we talked, you know, we're at peak zoom, <laughs> like, you know, this is not yeah. the norm. This is not, this is an extreme end. We're not going back to where we were, but we really don't know how it breaks out other than I think we're going to end up being, you know, we're definitely going to be in between where we were and where we are now, where we are now is not a proxy for the sort of, uh, you know, post pandemic uh, working world. And that's going to actually, yeah. in a weird way, and and forget like common sense for a second, just sort of look at aspirationally, is that it brings in or creates some sort of youth renaissance where you have younger companies coming in that can afford like class A retail. Um, uh, you know, I'm not saying, you know, just a, you know, companies that were sort of just priced out. You're going to see a lot of that happen. The people that are going to be hammered are going mm -hmm. to be landlords. I mean, no doubt about it. Like they're already hammered. Um, and that yeah. is that is going to stay with us. Um, retail, I think, cycles out pretty quickly because it always it, it turn out, turns over quickly anyway. So I, yeah. I'm pretty confident that once you have oxygen being fed uh, to the economy for street level retail, you're going to have more occupancy and it's going to be different. It's not going to be all luxury stores like yeah. it, we've had an oversupply of, it's going to be a little bit more gritty, I think. Mm -hmm. It's the New York yeah. that I love. Um, yeah, and I just want to I want to touch on 80s. that for one second because I mean you're going to have so many new ideas coming in. Like it, oh. you touched on, you touched on. Th th there's a macro shift in in how we live and behaviors going on right now, and that shift right. is it's not set. It's it's almost like it's like it's like moving con it's it's concrete that it's hasn't being set painted yet. it's being painted right now yeah it's evolving but as there's only go. like and, a little stick person in the corner like yeah <laughs> yeah and it's and, and what don't. it looks like now is is not is is a peak of what it's going to look like in the future but it's still kind of finding its way and you know you, you touched on some things we wanted to talk about how the recovery is going to make up and look like mm -hmm. and 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 for the last few minutes you really made one central point that just stuck out with what you were saying is that there's so many tentacles to this beast. There are so many different um, parts of, of, of the buyer pool. We talk about this, John, of the buyer pool that's not yet online. I like to say we're operating at half capacity, um, even right. though I don't know what the hell half is. I, we're not right, measuring right, right. anything. I'm, I'm just, you know, 40, 60, so who knows? We're not at full capacity. And you mentioned ground floor retail, which if you wait for ground floor retail to come back, you missed it. Okay. Right. If you're right. going to wait, when ground floor retail comes back, this market's going to already have the dynamics in play, propelling it into a new kind of paradigm. And if you wait for that, um, I, I think you're going to miss an opportunity because right now, like you said, it's very clear the prices were back, but we're not really, we haven't done what suburban markets have done. We've done the opposite. Right. So let's switch to that because we have brokers listening and let's talk about prices. How much are we down in this COVID crisis? Like, like how much do you think we went down in the COVID crisis? And how much are we down? Like today, when you're looking at deals, you're an appraiser. Deals getting done today. Yeah, did, we're, did we, we're seeing we, we're seeing values pushed upwards. I mean, you're right. you're seeing the you're sort of seeing that tension. Um, and and so there's a couple so couple of uh, questions you asked. So let me try to go through them. First is. Um, if I had to generalize super macro on mm -hmm. prices in Manhattan, 
and controlling for the skew to larger size sales, which is skewing prices higher, like our media, you know, uh, we're seeing somewhere between five and 7% prices off yeah. pre and post COVID. Um, uh, but that means, you know, we still have, you know, bidding wars, you know, we still have, so we have stuff selling over ask and we have stuff that's selling, you know, under at way under ask, like, and right. we have the whole, so it's a general statement. It doesn't mean that everything is off that amount. It's um, a mixed bag. Yeah. Right. It's a mixed bag, just like it always is. Right. But, uh, uh, and then, uh, but we still are seeing a, a skew in square footage, uh, average sales size, in the first quarter was about 10% higher than the year before because yeah. of unemployment, because sort of the lower wage earner, you know, has been cut it cut off at the knees. And so we have a, but we still have a lot of softness at the very high end of the market. So sort of the middle, you know, if you could call it the middle sort of moved up a notch um, mm -hmm. and that's caused aggregate pricing to rise, but it doesn't mean prices are rising. It's a shift in the mix. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the other, I forgot what the other deals, question deals, was. Deals was going on right now. Oh, yeah. the most part, you said, but you said it's yeah. a mixed bag right now, but there is upward price pressure happening. Yeah. We're seeing that in the appraisals that we're doing that um, we're definitely seeing, you know, uh, some, some tension uh, and we're seeing, you know, pretty quick marketing times that, Oh, the point I wanted to bring up was, um, you know, from a, from an, sort of a the optics you know i was talking about the optics of midtown versus like the upper east side you know right. in terms of you know the camera shot pans over midtown and the, you know it's a dystopian hellscape and you've got boarded up buildings and are boarding up retail and piles of garbage and it's like oh that's manhattan uh, no 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 that's not manhattan the other misnomer is that there's were like wildly oversupplied there's so much inventory because the market choked and, you know, inventory uh, from its peak in the summer is down about 25%, give or take. Mm -hmm. It's still about 10, 12% above the 20 year norm. Now I say 20 years because I physically put this data into my spreadsheet every month for 20 years. So do not take this number lightly. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, these are the numbers. Um, so from a long-term historical trend, inventory is elevated, but it, and, you know, I'm talking, we're pushing aside super luxury, right. your sellout, you know, the, the super high-end stuff, but just the housing for mere mortals. Uh, we're really talking about, you know, elevated inventory, but not any kind of massive oversupply. And I think that that combined right. with sort of this tension concern that rates are going to rise, you have this pressure. And so the way I look at the spring market is you have the seasonal, you know, it's the spring and we can see from listing inventory patterns that the market, you know, 2020 was not a seasonal pattern for anything, you know, because of the right. pandemic, but we can see things starting to revert to seasonality and spring is the you know, Super Bowl or the World Cup of every housing market. And you can, so you have that combined with the momentum coming out of, you know, with, with the COVID vaccines, you know, my dad joke, it's the V-shaped recovery, V for vaccine. Um, you know, that is, you know, going to, you know, continue to really press this market, create some, some tension uh, over in the coming months, I think.
No, that, that's awesome. And I wonder if we could just shift a little bit to what's happening in Brooklyn, because Brooklyn was sort of first out of the gate. And I don't know if it's necessarily something that that's related to what you what you talked about, how sort of the, the lower wage earners were sort of cut off at the knees. But the whole idea is that there's you could get more for your money in Brooklyn. And, right. And that's still the case. But, you know, we've seen the median price in Brooklyn sort of you know keep ascending. And I think it's probably if not right now, but close to record highs uh, and yeah. volume is just off the charts. Could you speak speak a bit about sure. what's happening in the Brooklyn markets like right now? Sure, sure. So, so the way to think, way I think of Brooklyn is think of Brooklyn as Fairfield County or Westchester. The outer boroughs behave like the suburbs, and so um, it's interesting again to not to overuse the word optics, but when we think about the outer boroughs, in the beginning during the pandemic and the I mean the lockdown mm -hmm. and you know, and this sort of like, you know, urban was bad, suburban was good uh, in terms of safety. Um, you know, and we know that that was actually not true because Manhattan, you know, had the lowest infection rate and the highest density, right? So, so it became this urban to suburban, and then it really morphed into, well, it really was Manhattan versus suburban. And then it really became Manhattan uh, versus suburban and outer boroughs. Mm -hmm. And so Manhattan is the sole location that really was late to the party, so to speak, because, you know, as you know, you know, I cover like 36 different housing markets across the US. And everywhere but Manhattan was booming, has been booming. Yeah. Brooklyn, Queens, no exception. Um, and it is heavily was heavily dependent on the sharp drop in mortgage rates during the pandemic uh, lockdown. Um, but remembering that the momentum for the prior 18 months, rates had already fallen down because of the trade war, you know, to avoid a recession and all that. So you have this like insane low rates. Now they've ticked up um, a bit, um, but like 50% of people that have a mortgage in the U.S. have a 4% or lower rate. So I don't start getting worried about volume or transaction volume until if rate unless rates sort of start drifting above four percent um, would be my thinking on it. So this is a unusually heavy rate dependent sort of phenomenon that is happening everywhere. I mean, I cover L.A. You know, there's wildfires. You know, uh, you know, um, you know, last year. And the market, you know, you could see like burning trees and there's like, you know, 30 people at the open house. I mean, it, it, it was insanity. And it's this combination of sort of release from a lockdown combined with unbelievably low mortgage yeah. rates. That, yeah. And I don't want to you know, I don't want to even think about where mortgage rates might be in five years or or. Right. Or, or where where inflation might be going in the next five years, but you know if you have an investment, well, I, thesis, I don't think that I don't think inflation inflation will be. I think that that rate that inflation will not be a factor, and the people that are worried about it um, are people that grew up, you know, that are our birthdays, you know, like in the you know '60s, whatever, versus 70s, people yeah. born in the '70s, because the in the '60s. You know, or when I was in college in the 70s of stagflation and, you know, the, the way inflation works now is completely, in my view, different. So I'm uh, I'm not an authority on it, but I don't it, I don't I'm less concerned about it. Um, the other thing is 
the other thing, just to sort of double down on the conversation about the spring market, yeah. is that what's GDP going to be forecast? What is it this year? You know, uh, you know, it's like triple what it should normally is because of stimulus, yeah. and next year it's going to be like more than double. Yeah. Um, so there's all this sort of external forces in terms of that will be benefiting the workforce. So I'm on the sort of camp of pretty quick economic recovery for the city. And I think that benefits housing everywhere, um, not just sort of an oversized benefit to say Manhattan. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. I just I just think it's gonna be a five to seven year. Um, um, quite frankly, I think inflation is coming. I'll agree to disagree. Um, when I look at the 2008, nine crisis, we printed about uh, a trillion. This time is gonna be seven, eight, nine trillion. I think that will funnel through over years, but but you mentioned the- No, it, it, very, it very well, you know, I'm not, I'm not the definitive we'll stay, person. We'll stay away from inflation yeah, and deflation. Yeah. You mentioned the rotation. You mentioned the rotation from suburbs. Suburbs went vertical, urban went down kind of thing. And, and there's a long runway here, Jonathan. Like we haven't even, I mean, would you say that we recovered the COVID discount at this point right now today? Uh, I think we're going to see that in the closing data next quarter. Yeah. In the second quarter. So the contract activity now, I think we're getting like there's no discount or, you know, like, you know, the, that, the that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah there's no, no I, 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 you know, and if it's not, uh, you know, if it, if it's not, it's close, uh, you know, and maybe it's the third quarter and, you know, that assumes a right. lot of things that assumes the trajectory continues. The logic continues, the success of the vaccine continues, you know, I feel like a yeah. lawyer cause I have to caveat with like 37 disclaimers. Cause like I said, we're spinning plates. There's so many variables we don't know, but that seems to be the the, the path and, and what seems to be the trajectory in terms of where we're moving. Right. Uh, and, and one other thing, I'm sorry, just one other point on that is that again, I still think that the sales market has an outsized benefit or is, is a better performing asset class than the rental market because I think ultimately... Um, uh, the rental market, you know, the, the, you know, the unemployment, you know, the, the, the wild card is do those people, you know, if you think of lower wage demographic, well, they tend to the higher probability of being renters than property owners. So, you know, that's a longer recovery than the sales market, I think, um, when we talk about Manhattan, but nothing like, you know, oh, it's a decade. No, I think it's a, you know, maybe a year or two um, yeah. based on what we see now. Interesting stuff. You know, I, I, not to beat a dead horse, but you know, one of the things that Noah and I were talking about months ago was that, you know, it seemed like with the suburban markets going up so fast and the, the urban markets sort of, you know, trending lower, there you could picture Manhattan somewhat strangely as a value play. And I'm not sure if that's, that still right. holds true, but I'm wondering, you know, if you look at suburban prices, are they still sort of, you know, on an uptrend, on a, on a yes. steep uptrend? That's yes. Just, it's amazing. Yeah. So, so uh, more than a third of all the sales uh, in Westchester, for example, that we published last week, uh, sold in bidding wars, a third wow. of everything that closed. And that's so, up a, 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 I've seen a this nominal before. amount for the prior quarter. <laughs> What's that? I've seen this a few times before. This always has a happy yeah. ending, don't worry. <laughs> well, okay, so so the the point, like when you bring this up about the suburbs and yeah. um, you know, sort of the, the interaction between the city and the suburbs, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, I'm just speculating here, but when we think about how 
uh, consumers and brokers think about the city, about Manhattan in the relationship to the suburbs. I think that the perception was, uh, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word for it, I'm blanking out, but, uh, you know, one, one goes down, one goes up, they're inversely related, right? Because the narrative about the suburbs was fleeing the city, right. exodus, you know, we're packing up the truck and we're moving to, you know, Westchester or whatever. Um, and that logic actually was incorrect. Uh, it was, it, that was part of it outbound, um, but it wasn't the whole reason. The whole reason was there was tremendous inbound in the suburbs or rental to buyer because of mortgage rates. And it wasn't just everybody packed up and moved out of Manhattan, but there's that sort of connection between the two. And now that the city seems to be doing a little, you know, has been doing much better and, you know, is, you know, sales activity is, you know, pretty, you know, strong relative to better than last year. That has to come, oh, zero sum game. I'm sorry, I was blanking out. You know, but that has to, our, the Manhattan success has to come at the expense of the suburbs. And I can right. tell you in the data, that is not the case. Uh, right, you know, not yet. What we're seeing not now. Yet. But, but, but yeah, not I yet. That, I think that will happen. There will be a rotation at some well, point. I mean, that's possible. You know, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that logic, uh, bec but the one thing that is different than past cycles is that there's a residual leftover from the pandemic and that's Zoom and remote working. So I'm not saying it, it you, you know, like, uh, you know, that, you know, 50% of people that work in New York are gonna live in Westchester, Fairfield, Laura, right. whatever, uh, you know, and never drive in. Um, but there's like a subtle sort of difference because you are going to have people that are going to like live further out in the suburbs um, yes. because yeah. they only have to commute three days a week. Yeah, so and I that's, think and a that's lot been of happening people. for the last for the yeah, last third. And, you know, and, and this is one of the things, Jonathan, you brought up last time we talked. You talked about this this idea of this co-primary, which is that you're living farther out yeah. because you're working a few days. Well, you're supposed to say co-primary then trademark, right? Uh, even well, though I don't have one. A little so. JM up there. <laughs> <laughs> But let, let me just shift now, if we could, as we're sort of, you know, winding down a little bit, I'd like to talk about the appraisal game right now, um, how banks are seeing things, how you as an appraiser are seeing things, given prices are sort of in flux. And, you know, if you yeah. give us a little guidance there, if you're an agent out there, what do you need to know about how appraisals are coming in? Sure. So, uh, so, and this is, I'm actually speaking in the context of national as well, because it's the same everywhere, where you have a, a housing market that's characterized by, beyond chronically low supply. I mean, everywhere in the US, there's just not enough supply uh, combined with a strong overpowering demand that even with rates, it, although refis are down because rates have ticked up a bit, um, but you know, there's still like, it's completely out of balance, right? And so uh, what the problem was the last six months of 2020 was, the data set was half, right? So it was hard, it was very hard to value, to find things post lockdown, um, uh, you know, the, the volume, you know, in terms of, cause we have to provide a minimum of three closed sales, but we, you know, but we, we, you know, we're not basing it on closed sales exclusive. We're basing it on uh, contract data that we have and listing data. But when you have less data and you run into quirky properties, yeah. You know, it was very difficult. 
that is much less the case now where we're of because of more data and i'm speaking specifically in manhattan it, we yeah. are because we're seeing more activity there's more data you know to right. and but one thing to keep in mind is that mortgage lenders right now and you know whether it's right now or you know uh during the lockdown are more weighted towards a conservative outlook um, than the historical norm. And I, the historical norm means prior to the housing bubble. I mean, way before that, but just, you know, over the last 50 years, uh, you, you know, and you skip the housing bubble era and then you come to now, um, underwriting is, is skewed. It's not like it was right after, uh, uh, you know, Lehman went under. Uh, but it but it is not normal. And so you're not and so that's why I feel pretty good about and I'll, I'll actually answer your question in a second. So, but, so let me say you're saying banks are not lending. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm or, saying or, that they're, or, or they're they are lending, they're but they're not they're not flexible. Right. right. So they're, they're much not tighter in, in their it, Yeah, they have a less a uh, they have a, a, a respect for risk that they yeah. didn't have at all during the housing bubble where you just need mm -hmm. a pulse or fog a mirror. It's right. not like yeah. that. We all know that. Um, and that's, so that's, that's a reality. So they do, they do look to the appraiser um, more than ever before or not ever yeah. before, but more than they did in the last 10 years. Um, and so they really, you know, and, and our industry has tons of problems with that, with um, you know, uh, you know, the automation and all, you know, AVMs right. and all that sort of stuff. But um, so we're finding it challenging, but um, for data, but we're not, um, you know, beyond that, we're not finding, you know, it's, it's really just a quantity issue of, of data. So uh, there's yeah, not, the, know, same, John, John, I was not the same pressure for speed, like there was during the bubble where you need to do things in five minutes. Um you know, it's much more normal and balanced now, which is also encouraging because taking an extra day of due diligence on a 30-year lending exposure right. seems reasonable to me. Um, and that's that's the way we're seeing and it. And John, you know, he, he, he's basically saying we had no data last year. I mean, like, let's just sum up. We had no data. We had 7,000 transactions in Manhattan last year. We typically have over 10, okay? So yeah. transaction volume was down 30%. And I can tell everyone, guys, when you have data volume so low, the numbers go all over the place. And it There's gets a lot more volatility in the trends. It, it, it's very volatile. It's very illiquid. You can't just see, oh, the market's down 7%. It's very clean and clean. That does not happen. And now you're in a period right now where you have 4,700 pending sales. You're going to get so much price discovery over the next three to six months that, that yeah. it, it's just going from nothing to something. And that's, it's just a weird thing. Well, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and while it's doing that, you have all these other, you know, like I said, plates spinning around, right? So yeah. we have all this price discovery, things happening, but there's still yeah. not tremendous certainty. Um, but it's moving, there's sort of light at the end of the tunnel. And, and yeah. we're, you know, so that's sort of the commonality of it. So just the last question, if you've priced something and you get, and you just go Manhattan, condo, co-op, large unit, you price it low, to get the offers, it comes in, it goes way over ask. Is it going to appraise if we're going over ask? Uh, uh, this is a new so a new podcast. Will it appraise? We could just do this. Will it appraise? Exactly. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's it's competition is the podcast called How to Hit the Number. 
right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, so uh, you know, and this is, you know, a common thing, you know, in tight markets, you know, in 2015, we had bidding wars uh, in 31% of the transactions, right? Now it's like three or 4% um, and rising. Uh, but uh, uh, so the answer is it should, if it's an appraiser with local market knowledge, right? Somebody not from Albany driving 12 hours because they were the low bidder on an appraisal, right? right? There's plenty of that stuff that's still happening, but not, um, it's not as reckless as it once was. So I feel better about that. Um, so it's, it's beholden to the broker to, or the agent to share the, the story of the transaction, the anecdotal story, like I can't stress that enough. Um, the conversation you have with the appraiser is your one and only chance to, to accurately portray what happened. Because once they walk out the door, you have no access to them ever again until the next sale you run right. into them. And they what you should be chance. telling them is we put it on the market in 48 hours, there were five, there was an offer and five backups and uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, like that's so important. I can't tell you. If you have an appraiser that tells you, I don't care about all that stuff. I just need, you know, the closed data or, you know, give me mm -hmm. a contract. I, that's when, that's when a red flag should go up because oh, we boy. care yeah. about that stuff. Because the anecdotal, especially in a market that's changing, you can't hang your hat on public record as the sole bearer because public record is slow. And yeah. in, in Manhattan, it's inaccurate as Urban Diggs it's will tell. It's a rear view mirror look. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't uh, and, tell the and, story. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. and, that, and that's, the way I'd, that's the way I'd look at it. Um, a good appraiser is going to, you know, be curious about what transpired um or hey there was a contract it went for the same or it went for a higher price and the deal fell through because of their credit or whatever and then we put it back on and it got five you know five more offers i mean or you know it doesn't have to be that extreme you know if it's not that extreme yeah. it could be something less and also sort of i don't know um uh you know be candid about the sale like how did you price it when you listed it um, I think that's important. Give them data, give them a one sheet piece of paper with the data that you think is relevant that they can verify. Yeah. Tell um, the story. I don't think agents understand that, that from an, from an appraiser's perspective, a lot of them look at it in terms of, is it a stable market? Is it a, is it a declining market? And it is a rising market. And, and we have just been through an extremely fast moving more down up like it's just right. and 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 in those type of markets when everything's so fast moving the active and in contract world becomes more and more and more critical because that closed is only going to show you what happened five six months ago right so if the market but, but the problem we but probably have and i don't know if you guys track this but um you know is uh you know what what's the share of deals that blow up because i would imagine yeah, it's pretty don't. high I would yeah, imagine we'll, we'll have to check in. We got to go, but um, obviously we have things to talk about. So we'll bring you back and we'll continue this conversation on an ongoing basis. But listen, Jonathan I, got like, Miller. I got like 22 years left on my mortgage. So I'm around for a while. <laughs> so, uh, so anytime, always fun to talk with you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Jonathan Miller of Miller saying, well, that is John Walker by Noah Rosenblatt. We're both of urban digs. This has been talking Manhattan. 
and we'll catch you next time.